This is a Jewish TV channel presentation. Welcome to Talking Point, where controversial subjects are brought into sharp focus. Conversations with JTVC show host Laura Kessler comes up next. Good evening, I'm Laura Kessler, and this is Talking Point. In part two of our Jewish trauma and mental health series, we'll be talking about how the Association of Jewish Psychologists is working within the American Psychological Association to fight anti-Semitism. You may recall after October 7th, there were many different professional organizations that issued formal statements about the terrorist event, and several of them were underwhelming to say the least. Many of them neglected to unequivocally condemn the horrific barbarism and atrocities committed against Israeli civilians. Instead, their focus was on the idea of proportionality. It felt to many of us that the only human rights they were concerned about were the murderers and not the victims. The American Psychological Association, or APA, was one such organization that issued a very disappointing milquetoast statement. However, members of the Association of Jewish Psychologists were paying attention and they mobilized to write a rebuttal that I have to say was pretty good. We're posting it on the website in the notes of this podcast so you can read it, and you should. But here's just an excerpt. Quote, We in the Association of Jewish Psychologists have heard profound anger from psychologists around the country and around the world. We, who have dedicated ourselves to our, quote, one APA, because we share the broad social justice vision of our leaders, and our growing culture of bold EDI initiatives, we are stunned by your muted response to the wanton murders of more than a thousand innocent Jewish people in Israel and by your lack of passion for and lack of commitment to the flourishing of Jewish families and communities. That was just the last paragraph, and it's six or seven pages long. I know many of you in our audience are feeling frustrated and stressed out by the unthinkable reaction much of the world has publicly given towards Israel and the Jewish people in these last couple months. We even devoted the last episode solely to the mental health and trauma caused by macro gaslighting. If you haven't listened to that episode, you should. But it's good to know that we have people fighting for us within these organizations as well. And I'm going to let our guest today tell you more about how members of the Association of Jewish Psychologists, AJP, are working within the system of the APA to make positive changes. Dr. Beth Romreimer is an award-winning psychologist with a long history of leadership at many levels of the APA and the field of psychology. Dr. Romreimer has been a pioneer throughout her life. She was in the first class of women undergraduates at Princeton University, she was an intern for Bella Abzug early in her career. That had to have been great. Dr. Ron Reimer is president of the Illinois Association of Prescribing Psychologists and the newly formed Association of Jewish Psychologists and too many other accolades to mention here, but you can read it on our website where it will be posted. I'm happy to welcome her here to talk about this very important issue. Welcome, Dr. Ron Reimer. It's great to be with you. Thank you, Laura. It's so good to be here. It's an honor and a privilege for me to be talking with you today. Thank you. 
Let's start by giving our audience a brief introduction to the APA and its relationship to Jews. It's really interesting to me, how can the field of psychology, which was largely started by Jews, become so guilty of medical anti-Semitism and complacency over the years? I've been thinking a lot about this issue, as you can imagine, I've been very involved in leadership in APA for, for over two decades. And you know, the APA, like all associations, reflect what's going on in the general population. So as we know, there was a tremendous anti-Semitism in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. It really wasn't until we were full into World War II um, after our ships were attacked in, on Pearl Harbor in 1941 that, that this anti-Semitism and the forces, the fascist forces in the United States began to go back underground and, and the forces to fight the terrible evils that were going on in Europe became a country's mission, our country's mission. Um, and the APA reflected that. So there were psychologists who were who talked to about you know how Jews were defective and how that they couldn't have and shouldn't have careers in psychology because of quote objectionable traits. Um, there were certainly quotas on Jews at universities, both at the undergraduate level and the graduate level. And there was anti-Semitic discourse characterizing Jews as wicked, as perverse, as false. You know, all, all of the, the stereotypes and that we that and the tropes that have been so harmful to Jews you know, for the thousands of years that we have been uh, a culture and, and an ethnic group and a religion. Um, and unfortunately, when there were quotas on Jews at universities, APA did not do anything to denounce or try to stop that practice. Um, there was, and then there was a psychologist. I don't know that he was active in the APA specifically, but uh, Rudolf Hippius, who was an advocate of eugenics, um, and he was he became known for his work in quote racial psychology. Um, he looked at the suitability quote unquote of people of mixed German and Slav descent. Um, there was also a, a very uh, well-known and highly respected psychologist, German psychologist Conrad Lorenz, who was assigned as a military psychologist in the United States, who worked with uh, Rudolf Hippius on his project on racial psychology um, that, for good things, for a good reason, then diminished the reputation of Lorenz, who sought to hide um, what he did during World War II. Um, tried to omit it from his official biography. He was amid, he was awarded the Nobel Prize in 1973. And then there was another psychologist, Frederick C. Thorne, um, who had a PhD in psychophysics and also an MD. He was he founded the Journal of Clinical Psychology, which today is a quite erudite journal of psychology. Um, but in the opening editorial, um, there was a proposal to limit the acceptance of Jewish applicants to clinical psychology graduate programs. Although he denied authoring that editorial, he, he it, it seems unconvincing that he that he did not author that um, that initial editorial. And some members <clears throat> there was a, a there was a storm of public protest. Some members of the journal resigned. Others did not, like Carl Rogers, another eminent psychologist who's known for his humanitarian um, concept and constructs of psychotherapy. But he did not resign. He said that he wanted to work from within the journal and try to change things within. However, there are no public statements that he wrote in opposition mm. to that initial 
um, editorial. And APA remained silent on this issue. Were there any pro-Jewish psychologists in the APA at that time? The Eastern Psychological Association, interestingly, under then-President E.G. Boren, who we talked about, was someone who, who would write Jewish students' reference letters, and he would say, well, you know, they don't, this person, this Jewish person does not have objectionable traits. But when he was, when E.J. Boring was the head, was the president of the Eastern Psychological Association, he took a clear stance in opposition to that, that editorial in the Journal of Clinical Psychology saying that Jewish Africans should be limited. Um, it's fascinating. We, it, we could, it, it we could spend a whole hour on this alone. We I could. Have we could. Have you come I, back on this. <laughs> Thank you. I just want to say one more thing. Um, Kurt Levin, who's a wonderful, one of the giants in social psychology, one of the founders of social psychology in the 20th century, who was Jewish. And um, so Boring had written a letter in support of Levin, noting that Levin's personal charm mitigated the, quote, defect of Jewishness. Levin later wrote, quote, history amply shows that, quote, unquote, good behavior on the part of the Jew is by no means an insurance against anti-Semitism. Wow, that's such a heavy subject. And, you know, I was going to ask you how the APA yes. contributed to the legitimacy of anti-Semitism during the Holocaust itself. And I think you you just answered it right there because presumably yes. they used all of that. Uh, can you just speak briefly about how that then connected with the Nazis and, and any specific data? Well, I you know, what we know is that there were two psychologists that I named, Rudolf Hippius and Conrad Lorenz, who were advocates of racial purity through eugenics. They had an anti-Jewish agenda, they, and they did work in racial psychology, you know, which is you know, spurious, but it's not real science. Um, so that's, that's you know, really the information that we have about what was going on during the Holocaust. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning of, of my response, that once when the United States was fully committed to World War II, the forces um, that were supporting Hitler and, and the Nazis, the for, American forces that were supporting Hitler and the Nazis, they really lost a lot of energy because the country was, thank goodness, because of uh, FDR's powerful leadership, that we were committed to the effort to beat the Nazis, stop them in their tracks, and stop their murderous, fascistic assault on the rest of the world. Yeah, I think people forget about the impact of eugenics and that it was scientifically based, which is why the leadership from the authority uh, governing right. organizations is so important and why the work you right. do is so important. What has been the APA reaction in recent years and especially in response to the events of October 7th? Right. So in 2021, there was a UN condemnation of the, the violence that was going on in Gaza and the UN specifically said that they were because of what was going on in Gaza and looking at the source of the violence as, as Israelis, that the UN said that it was causing significant and terrible, horrific mental health problems for Palestinian children in Gaza. The APA neglected to mention that, that the violence that the Israelis were subjected to from the surrounding Arab countries was similarly creating horrific effects on the Israeli children during that time. So, so psychologists brought that up to the APA, um, and the APA did then put out another statement 
saying that violence, whoever is perpetrating it, the children always suffer. Whatever country is, is suffering from violence. Um, so that was in 2021. Um, and then, you know, what happened uh, to this egregious horrors, egregious massacre on October 7th, the APA put out a statement that was, that was rather bland. And um, mm-hmm. the Association of Jewish Psychologists was incensed at that statement. As you know, we wrote a six-page response to that. And some of the things that we said was that we had initially been asked to comment on a first draft of the APA statement. And with that draft, our comment was that a connection needed to be made between the Jewish experience of the Holocaust and the millennia of genocidal purges of Jewish societies and, and all of those terrorist attacks of over the thousands of years, 3,500 years of our, the existence of our people. Um, and, and we said, you know, look, it's critical that you understand that our actual and vicarious experience is most similar on October 7th, was most similar to the experience of the Holocaust because of the naked brutality of the attacks, the ongoing nature of the attacks, and a great deal of visible global support for these attacks. And we said to the AP, AP, we would like you, we would like to see some recognition by you, by APA, of this replication for us of our intergenerational trauma. And I know I'm in the baby boomer generation, and we grew up from really the earliest times that we can remember learning about the concentration camps, the horrors, the deaths, the the brutalities, and um, the extermination of two-thirds of European Jewry. Um, so seeing these attacks is, is quite a stunning, um, you know, remarkable recognition that this feels so much like what we knew about um, from the time we were you know, two and three years old and what we fear throughout our lives. And it, it, it's never far from our consciousness that um, at any point we might have to leave where we are, might have to leave our home like our grandparents did and escape to some place where there's safety. It's, it's, it's very frightening. The statement that you published posted right there on the Association of Jewish Psychologists, and we're going to have a link to it in the notes for the show. I think it's very important for people to read this. It really covers everything, and you, you have a wonderful way of combining not just the legal language, but the emotional language that you cover it and you covered that intergenerational trauma angle really well in a way that I think that's the missing link that I think a lot of the non-Jewish community does not get. They see a snapshot of a couple successful Jews in Hollywood and they say, oh, they're all doing okay, which is, of course, absurd. That's like thinking every black person is, you know, Michael Jordan or, or Oprah, <laughs> you know, I right. mean, they, they forget the baggage of thousands of years in that we, right. we all, your generation and mine, we, we've enjoyed the golden age of American Judaism, which in many ways is the biggest anomaly one of the biggest anomalies in our 4,000-year history. And what's happening now is apparently a little bit more like business as usual, which is a shock to all mm-hmm. of us except for maybe Holocaust survivors that are still alive. So it's it's very important that people understand this, and you laid out really all the talking points beautifully. Thank you. I, I, I want to repeat to you what a friend of mine 
said to me when he said what kind of what you just said, he said, you know, well, Jewish people seem to be doing really well. And I said to him, I said, you know, today we may be doing well, but yesterday we weren't, and we may not be doing well tomorrow. You know, I've read that the same number of Jewish people are on public welfare and Medicaid and things like that as in proportion to any other group. So that's really quite uh, marginalizing to other people to judge only by the top tier. Uh, that's just really inappropriate. So I'd like mm-hmm. to ask you, what is what is HJP? Why did you start it? And tell us a little bit about your members and the work that you're doing. Yes, thank you so much. The Association of Jewish Psychologists began from conversations that I was having with my colleagues um, really less than a year ago in, in March of 2023, and we saw the upsurge in anti-Semitism, and we just looked at each other and we said, you know, we're not going to stand passively by. I mean, we've, we've learned our lessons, hopefully, and um, we have to do something. And as psychologists, we need to do something. And we need to be able to do research on anti-Semitism. We need to understand how anti-Semitism affects affects children. And interestingly, that kind of research just has not been done. And we need to understand how the APA has been involved in in either being passively accepting of anti-Semitism or actually perpetuating anti-Semitism. And we need to be able to confront APA today as psychologists and with APA. We need APA to be a strong voice for all psychologists in confronting anti-Semitism in the larger world. So we began putting together kind of our organizational kind of mission statement and um, began talking to many more of our colleagues. We partnered with the American Psychological Foundation so that we began raising money starting in May of 2023, raising money for seed grants for uh, research on anti-Semitism. People, it really struck a chord, really resonated with people, with with our peers. And they said, yes, we have to do this. Yes, we want to get involved. Yes, we're scared and concerned. And we want to join this this organization, this movement of yours. Um, And then October 7th happened. Um, And between October 7th and today, we have garnered 600 members. And, And every day we're growing. And what we hear from Jewish psychologists, but but all mental health professionals. So we're an organization that's directed by psychologists, but we are raising the umbrella over all professionals, even non-mental health um, lawyers and accountants and teachers and and nurses, anybody who, and and, and non-professionals, anybody who sees our organization as an organization that they want to be a part of, that they want to be engaged in, and we're an organization for Jewish people, but also for, for Jewish allies. Do you partner with non-Jewish activists and organizations, including Palestinian and other Arab yes. partners? Yes, yes, that's right. That's right, where we have common cause. Of course, we, we're not, we wouldn't ally with organizations who are anti-Semitic or who call for the destruction of Israel, but there are so many organizations that are Arab organizations, that are Palestinian groups of people who who want for us to combat hate against all of our groups. You know, both the Council of American Islamic Relations, CARE, C-A-I-R, um, as well as the ADL, Independent Nation League, have been gathering statistics 
on the, the tremendous rise in hate incidents and hate harassment um, against Jews and Muslims and other groups. And there's just been a staggering amount of staggering increase from 2022 to 2023. So we want to build bridges and we want to work with all groups who want to combat hate in our communities. What are some of the different kinds of issues you see regularly when it comes to Jewish mental health impacted by anti-Semitism? I've heard a lot about what the students go through, and, and lately yes. it seems I'm hearing about what, what the therapists themselves are going through and experiencing anti-Semitism even from their patients, which, uh, I mean, that's I'm just beginning to hear a little bit about that. So I, I know that's also worthy of an entire show we'll do, but can you can you cover some of the points? Yes, exactly. Um, so just yesterday, I received an email from a colleague, from a, a member of my organization. Her mission has been to train non-Jewish communities in the traditions of Jewish mourning, because non-Jews and non-Jewish organizations typically don't know what our traditions are and rituals around mourning. They, you know, they don't know what a shiva is. They don't know about our you know, mm-hmm. burial within 24 hours and those kinds of things in the shrouds that, that um, many observant Jews use to wrap around our loved ones. And she reached out to us and said, you know, can you help me find non-Jewish organizations? And we said, absolutely. And we actually have one of our colleagues is a committee chair and, and he's not Jewish and his focus is on working with non-Jewish allies in the community. So um, we asked her to, to work with him um, and she was so pleased that um, with their conversation, and then she said that that after that conversation with our colleague a couple of days ago, she woke up the next morning, and there were all kind of anti-Semitic epithets that somebody had written on her webpage, um, and she was mm-hmm. just terrified. She, she was terrified, terrified, and um, so upset. Yeah, and, and anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think people don't realize. Anti-Semitism can happen to non-Jews who are friends of Jews. Allies. You know, there there was even a professor that was killed, I believe, on the West Coast because he was perceived to have been Jewish, which is crazy. This is serious. This is very serious. Right, right. And and then another colleague wrote in, another member of AJP, again, just a couple of days ago, and said that her non-Jewish patients are talking about the horrific violence going on in the Middle East, and she doesn't know how to talk. You know, she, she, she wants to talk, to, to collaborate with our peers in trying to understand how best to respond to patients who bring those issues up. Um, and so we have support groups for mental health professionals. We have support groups for students. We have 50 support groups now going for students on, on campuses around the country. And we also are working with faculty on campuses. We're working with parents of students who are being subjected to anti-Semitic um, harassment and some physical um, violence on campus. It's, it's um, students are, are scared for their lives today, and they're wondering what they will make of their lives in the future. And I know when I was in college, it was a time of openness and and excitement and adventure and exploration. Um, and uh, during my years in college, we were very much 
the students were very much bonded because we were all involved in anti-war activism. We were against the Vietnam War, um, but we did it together. Um, and it was maybe the faculty that or the administration that we would you know, protest against. Yeah. But now it's, it's students that there's so much divisiveness among groups of students that's so alarming to our, our young people today, our, our young Jewish people today. Well, and the, the sense of betrayal, the loss of support systems and friends, and it's just, it's a very big subject. That's why we're going to be devoting a lot of time to mental health as well as our interfaith allies. Uh, those are really yes. my two priorities for the next six yes. months. And I don't know if you're familiar with them, but I'll be bringing on Dr. Malka Shah, the founder of Kesher Shalom, which trains other therapists in trauma specifically, how to help and support the Jewish community. And also yes. Dr. Jeffrey Lickman from Turo College, who's designed a program that is helping the students there. So there's there's so much, and I'm so glad there are people like you. I, I have to ask you, you're not just a psychologist, you're a leader. And n- not all physicians and psychologists rise up to that challenge. It's hard to be a leader, much less a leader among leaders, especially when you're going against popular trends. And this work can't be easy for you and your colleagues. We know the current wave of anti-Semitism takes a toll on everybody from the IDF. I was reading about the IDF soldiers that have to make the announcements to the families when somebody is killed. They're, they're dealing with things and there are now organizations yes. to support them. Um, everybody's feeling yes. it. So what drives you? What motivates you to get out and do this work? And how, how do people, generally speaking, how do you stay grounded when you're doing the work? Because I know this applies to activists as well who don't have the benefit of your clinical background because the people fighting it are also in need of staying grounded themselves and the average person doesn't have that training in it. What, what are your thoughts on that? Thank you so much. And what motivates all of us is our determination that we're not going to stand by that when we see people suffering, when we see our people suffering. I've always cited the wonderful quote by Rabbi Hillel. His life spanned right before the Common Era, and then he died in 11 of the year 11 of the, of the Common Era. But his words ring so true. If we're not for ourselves, who will be? If we're not for others, what are we? If not now, when? And I believe that we just need to take action now because we, what we see around us is horrific. And if we can't look to anybody else to do it for us, we need to do it ourselves. And we need to join with all everybody else who is very concerned and horrified by what is going on. Um, and in terms of how we are able to handle the stresses that we experience is we have community. Um, we have community with each other. Um, we talk about how we feel. We talk about what our purposes are. We share our happy news of the birth of children and grandchildren and, and marriages and, um, um, and friendships. And we are doing that with our organization. Within our organization, we have a strong sense of um, continuity and community to ensure that nobody feels isolated, alone, um, and having to deal with all this, this stress and discomfort and, and horror by themselves. What's next for you in your organization, and how can our audience get involved and support your work? 
Can you share the website? Thank you. Yes, so the website is the Association of Jewish Psychologists.com. And we have many different committees that are very active. So I've talked about we created support groups for Jewish students, faculty, and, and parents. And psychologists in our audience and other mental health professionals can sign on to that committee and get involved in providing, being part of uh, providing support to uh, our campus groups. And as I said, we have support groups for Jewish psychologists and other Jewish mental health professionals, and you can be part of those groups. Um, We've created a directory of Jewish clinicians throughout the U.S. who are available to see new patients, and you can sign up to join that group of Jewish clinicians who are providing services to patients all over the country who are specifically asking for a Jewish clinician. Um, We're connected with the Israel Psychological Association, working closely with them to support Israeli Jews in recovering from their trauma. Um, So you can join with us in our connections with the Israel Psychological Association. We are, uh, we've established relationships with International Hillel, the American Jewish Committee, several universities, including Princeton University, as I talked about ADL, the NAACP, the, um, an organization called the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, um, an organization called Sharaka, which is an organization that's an Israeli organization that reaches out to partners within the Middle East region and making connections for peace and for uh, conflict resolution. Um, also an organization called AMCHA, A-M-C-H-A, which is an organization that is looking at education throughout the country and trying to root out anti-Semitism in the early education and training that our young students get throughout our country. Um, we're creating a psychological journal that focuses on the Jewish community's history, our rich culture, our work, as well as our concerns. We're also working with major academic research organizations, actively seeking research partners on anti-Semitism research, as well as major funding opportunities. So, for example, we're working with NASM, the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, and NIH, the National Institutes of Health. We're also partnering, as I mentioned before, with the American Psychological Foundation to raise funds for seed grants for research on anti-Semitism. We're sponsoring webinars that will inform us and our partners about issues concerning the Jewish community, the history of the Middle East, and current relevant research. And I'm really excited that our first webinar will feature Dr. Susanna Heschel, the professor of Jewish studies at Dartmouth University. And I don't know if if the name Heschel rings a bell with you, but she's the daughter of the venerable rabbi and social activist Abraham Joshua Heschel, who marched alongside Martin Luther King in Selma, and um, and Dr. Heschel's father, Abraham Joshua Heschel, is himself a descendant of the preeminent Polish Hasidic rabbi Avraham Yehushua Heschel. Um, so Susanna Heschel and her professional partner at Dartmouth University, Dr. Tarek Elasif, who is the chair of Middle Eastern Studies at Dartmouth University, they have been co-leading classes on Middle East history, Middle East politics. And they have been really creating a model for university campuses and talking about what's going on today in the Middle East and being able to talk to all students and provide an environment where every student feels safe and able to express a whole range of opinions. So Dr. Heschel and Dr. Elasis are going to be doing our first webinar 
and those of our audience who are out there listening, you are all welcome to join us in all of this work. Um, we are also seeking a seat on our APA Governing Council as an ethnic minority psychological association. And as you talked about, we're working with non-Jewish partners. Um, and actually next summer um, at our APA convention, I have a proposal for a seminar that I would be doing. I would be having a what we call critical conversation with a Palestinian Canadian doctor who talks about hate as this terrible disease that we all need to work together to cure. Well, these are wonderful, wonderful initiatives and resources. And if we can get some links from you or if if there's a page that has some of this, we would love to share it with our audience so they can find that. We we actually have interviewed some of the people you mentioned from from IBSI, Pastor Dumasani Washington, and and AMCA yes. initiatives. Um, yes, 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 has been on our show yes. several times. So, oh, wonderful! So it's 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 so good to have. It's important for people to know that there are resources, there are places, and I think you said the most important thing: community and talking to yes. people, and that there's support for not just the psychologists, but everybody at every level, and just. I have to ask you quickly before we go to the the lightning round. Um, yes. What what has been the reaction from the APA? How how are they reacting to your presence and your rebuttal? I I have to say um, the APA staff, the the APA CEO and and the executive management group um, have been great. They've been really supportive, very welcoming, very open, and um, saying to us, "Look, we want to learn." And we're, we're here for you, and we want to learn. And the APA governance and the elected leaders have also been open and listening. And uh, we're now going to be meeting on a regular basis with uh, the APA presidential trio. I'm also running for APA president this year. I'm running, and, um, and I've been getting a lot of support from APA psychologists around the country. Wonderful. Well, we're rooting for you for sure. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. I, I was I was not sure what the reaction was. That's good to hear. So I yeah. I have a yeah. feeling we'll be talking to you more this year. But for now, I want to close on a little more uplifting note. And I want to ask you our lightning round questions that are part of most episodes of Talking Point. So I want to ask you, why are you proud to be a Jew? I am very proud of my heritage of Yiddish music, literature, and dance. I'm proud of the courage, the quick-wittedness, the hardiness of my people to survive our 3,500 years of trials and tribulations, deaths and deportations. I'm proud of the values that our people place on education, social justice, and identification with and a champion of the oppressed and the downtrodden, as known to us as tikkun olam. Uh, throughout my life, I've cherished Rabbi Hillel, the quote that I just quoted to you, and two of my favorite Yiddish authors, Shalom Aleichem and Isaac Bashiva Singer. Who are your Jewish role models? You kind of answered it. <laughs> um, well, I have lots of Jewish role models. I have to say, first, my grandparents and my parents. I just, they, they instilled me with such a love of our people, of our history, of our traditions, um, of our culture, of our Jewish food, um, and of love for each other, and just and, and such a strong, you know, thousand percent commitment to everyone who is suffering, everyone who is oppressed. 
and um, I just I just appreciate them so much for what they were able to pass on to me. What concerns you most about the present moment in relation to the Jewish people? The rising hatred against Jews and other minority, minoritized groups in the United States and around the globe. I'm very concerned about the rise of authoritarian leaders, you know, quote unquote, strong men around the world and the rising support for and the infatuation with fascistic rhetoric here in the United States. What makes you mad? Instead of mad, I would say what worries me. I don't know that I get mad, but I get worried, very worried when people show no empathy for those who are hurt or impaired psychologically, intellectually, physically. I worry when people don't listen carefully to what others say. I worry when people can't engage in rational conversation about important issues. I, I worry when people don't want to know the facts. And I worry when people believe that only they are right. That's a good list for a lot of us. For those who look up to you, what do you want them to remember? That I'm always standing up for them. And that together we fight tirelessly for the most vulnerable, those who have no voice. And important alliances are made between people who can find common ground and can work together for a common good. And finally, what's your outlook for the future? Are you hopeful? I am. We need to come together in community, as we've talked about. While our future is uncertain and there are significant challenges on the horizon, if we can create community and we are vigilant to what can become destructive to our society, we can and we will thwart the challenges. We will rise above them and ultimately My hope and my expectation is that we will continue to thrive. Dr. Beth Romreimer, I want to thank you and the Association of Jewish Psychologists for the leadership you're showing during this difficult moment in history and all the hard work you're doing, including things behind closed doors that no one ever sees. Jews have not always been in a position to fight back and advocate for themselves effectively. And it means a lot to have people like yourself and your colleagues writing a new chapter in that history. And I hope you'll come back and talk to us again soon. I would love to. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for this special edition of Talking Point. Our series on Jewish trauma and mental health continues with Dr. Jeffrey Lichtman, Director of Student Mental Health Services at Turo University. Subscribe to our podcast and also check out BIPOC News for bipartisan action against anti-Semitism on the Jewish TV channel. That's jewishtvchannel.com slash BIPACT, B-I-P-A-C-T. For Jewish TV channel and BIPOC News, I'm Laura Kessler. See you next time.